Uh, again, glad that you're here with us. We're on a series of lessons on Sunday morning entitled, How We Are Going to Make a Great Church. How we are. It's not just one person. It's not the organization, if you will, called the church. It's all of us being who God's called us to be to do what God's called us to do. We've been looking at a couple different scriptures uh, uh, for our foundation as we've been going the last three weeks. We've got actually three more weeks, a little twist this week, kind of adding to how we're going to have and make a great, great church. Again, I want, I want you to, to take on that responsibility. I want you to, to uh, lean in and say, okay, how, how can I be a part of this? How can I add my grace, my talent, my ability? How can I add my mind? How can I add my resources to do what God's called the church to do? Because it's not just one, it's many. It's, it's, it's like on a football team, if you know football at all, there are these real super uh, fast guys called receivers. They're on the end. They're going to catch the ball. Then there's these big old hefty linemen, like 320, 340 pounds. They're going to block and make sure the quarterback or the, or the running back doesn't get killed. Everybody's got an assignment, but together, as we would say, the football church, they do something beautiful together. And so we all have grace, we all have talent, we all have ability that God's given us, and used together, we all can do something amazing for God and with God. Can everybody in the house say amen? amen. Here's our key scripture in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Someone actually came to Jesus and asked him a question, and here's what it actually said. He said, teacher, this is Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he goes on to tell us this is the first and the great commandment. This is the first and great commandment. We talked about this three weeks ago and the week after that as well. But then Jesus didn't stop there. He said, and the second, the second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we found out if we're going to have a great church, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to be a people that are committed to loving God, loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mark actually said, use that word strength at the end. In fact, everything we do, we do it in the strength of God. If we're going to have a great church, if we're going to be a great people, we've got to make up our mind, I am going to be a person who loves God. We talked about it. Our love needs to be a devoted love. No other gods before him. We're going to place God at the top of the food chain of where our attention is. I don't love my, listen, I don't love my family more than I love my God. If I love God properly, I'll be able then to love my family when they ain't so loving. Come on, everybody. So I want to have a devoted love. I want to have a greater love. He actually told us, Jesus said, you can't love your family or your spouse more than me. Uh, we, we want to have an obedient love, we talked about, that Jesus said, if you're going to love me, you got to obey me. And, and then we found out that it's not just, only, it is loving God, but it's Jesus said, you need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So what we do in, in the world, what we do with how we interact with one another, what we do with people of different races. Maybe you were raised in a, in a family or an environment or a culture that looked down on different people groups. That, that is not sharing and being a person that Jesus said who would love their neighbor as their self. So, so we've talked about if we're going to be a great church, we're going to have to love God. 
and we're going to have to love other people. But there's another word that we find. It's really not in the scripture, but it's a headline that will, will show in every Bible. It's actually called this. It's called the Great Commission. So Jesus talked about a great commandment, love God, love other people. But then we know that in Matthew chapter 28, we know in Mark 16, right before Jesus left the earth and went to heaven, he gave the disciples an assignment. And, and the headline of this in any Bible that you read, it will say the Great Commission. So it'll tell us in Mark chapter 16. But I want to read this from Matthew chapter 28, what Jesus actually said specifically. And from this point on, for the next three weeks, we're going to break down and add this to us becoming a great church, how we're going to love God and love other people. But Jesus is asking us to do something that will continue the greatness of his kingdom on the earth, where we take that baton, we partner with him individually and collectively as a church to do something great with him in the earth. Here it is, Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them. These are the disciples right before he left to go to heaven. And he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he said this, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Nations means all people groups, all ethnicities, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This is called the Great Commission, that God, through Jesus, before he left, he gave an assignment for everybody to fulfill. This was transcribed, this was written, this was spoken by Jesus, it was then received by these disciples, and it was then lived out. We can find it in the book of Acts that continued on, if you will, the growth of the church, then churches were established, churches were planted. We've got letters that the apostle Paul wrote to different churches in Corinthians and Galatians, Philippians and Colossians. Those were all cities. Those were all churches within cities where people then were going to be fulfilling this great commission that Jesus gave them to fulfill. Listen, this wasn't something that was just in Bible times, and we don't have to partner with it now. If we're going to have a great church, absolutely, we need to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, our strength. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves, but also we need to be a people that are committed to fulfilling the great commission. So there's three areas in this great commission I want us to see for the next three weeks. We're going to take the first area today, and of course, the next two weeks, we'll finish this series up right before coming into Easter. If we're going to have a, and be a great church, we're going to have to be committed to fulfilling the great commission, but the great commission that we'll talk about today is that we're going to have to be committed to evangelism. Evangelism is a word that, that kind of, you know, causes a lot of people to freak out. And I know when I was a kid and I'd, I'd hear it and, and, and maybe being in the church and people would say they're going to go out and knock on doors and, and invite people to, to make Jesus the Lord of their life. That used to petrify me. Anybody in the room beside me? 
Come on. Or, or go out and just kind of like be bold and there, there would be that, that, that guy or that, that woman and, and come on, they would talk to a stump about Jesus. Come on. And, and, and maybe that's not you. And maybe that's not how you're, you're made up. That's okay. Listen, I want to bring this down to where we all can take part and we all as a church can fulfill the Great Commission according to what the scriptures actually say. Uh, Jesus said that, again, what we read it a moment ago, he told us to go into all the world. That is the operative word. He said to go. He never said stop. He never said quit, you know, moving forward. He never said that he wanted the gospel of God just to be contained in Jerusalem. Uh, he wanted to be ever expanding. In fact, in the book of Acts, uh, the writer Luke records these last words before Jesus actually was ascended to heaven. Before he, come, come on, you remember when he gave his life, he was, he was on the cross. They took his body down. They put him in a grave. Uh, he rose three days later. The Bible says after that, he showed himself alive to the disciples for about 40 days. And then he was ascended forever and ever to the right hand of the Father from where he is right now. So he spent about 40 days talking to his disciples. The scripture tells us in the first couple of verses in the book of Acts chapter 1, but the, one of the last things he tells them is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Check it out. Look what he says. You, but you, disciples, you that are here, you that are with me now, you that are here now in 2022, you that are be, uh, followers of Jesus, believers in Christ forever and ever, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Look at this, witnesses to me witnesses to me, witnesses for me in Jerusalem. Yeah, right where you're at, guys. But also in all of Judea. Notice how it keeps growing. And Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's, there's going to be a far-reaching uh, uh, advancement of the kingdom of God. It's never going to end. It, it, it's If it's good on that street, if, it, if it's good for your house, it needs to be for your neighborhood. If it's good for your neighborhood, it needs to be for your community. If it's good for your community, it needs to be for your city. If it's good for your city, it needs to be for your state and for your nation and for the world. God wants an ever-increasing footprint of his power, his love, his grace, his mercy, his salvation, his deliverance to keep growing and expanding in the lives of every single person. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. Now he tells us here the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is so that we would be a witness, a witness for him, a witness unto him everywhere we're at. We're to show, we're to demonstrate, we're to speak, we're to reveal, we're, we're, we're to engage uh, 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 the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven into this earth realm in everything we do. How we act, how we react, how we respond, how we initiate, how we pray, how we love, how we forgive, how we work, how we parent, how we do our marriage. Everything is to be a witness of how good God is and what he's done in your and my life. Listen, the world is watching you. People, as soon as you say, I go to church, people are going, mm-hmm. People are looking at you. How you speak, how you what you do at work, how you raise your kids. It's just the way it is. And I'm not saying it's right. It's just the way it is. But God wants you and I to be an ever-increasing witness of who he is. Share who he is to you, what he's done for you, how he forgave you, how he delivered you, how he answered that prayer, how you were in a deep, dark hole, how he broke addiction from your life. Whatever your story is, 
You are a witness yourself of your story. So what we say around here, when you go through growth track, uh, again, we'll be doing growth track step two at the end of the service. We're encouraging you to go through growth track. We say this all the time concerning reaching people that don't know Jesus, and we share this again in growth track. We say that everybody needs to accept the personal responsibility. Number one, just accept the personal responsibility that you have, that everybody around me, I need to share Jesus with people who are far away from God, people who don't know God. It's not somebody. It's not the bold person. It's not the aggressive person. It's not the person that's that's been saved X amount of years or or they're they're more holy. No, everybody, including me, we all need to accept the responsibility that God has placed people around me and you in our sphere of influence for us to affect with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I want to encourage you. Look around your world, whatever how ever how big your world is. Look look at around your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, look around your uttermost parts of the world that God has put people in your life, people in your path for you to be a divine influence in reaching them for Jesus Christ. So accept the responsibility. It's nobody else's responsibility for me, uh, uh, for them to pray for the people I work with. I'm working where I'm working because God's placed me there to be salt and to be light and to pray for them and to share the love of God with them in a real and a practical way. Take the responsibility, everybody. Secondly, we talk about build a relationship with people. When you're dealing with people at work, when you're dealing with people maybe you don't know, maybe you frequent a coffee shop, maybe it's, maybe it's somebody that you do life with, maybe it's somebody at the gym. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not the cold call guy in the sense of, you know, where you come up to somebody, you know, all up in their face and, and you got a Christian t-shirt on. Not I'm against the Christian t-shirts, but you got the Christian t-shirt on and you got the Jesus tattoo and I'm not against Jesus tattoos and, and you got the big cross and I'm not against the big cross or the big holy Bible and you're just like all up in everybody face and they don't want what you have because they don't know you build a relationship with people build a relationship with people get involved with them talk and get involved with their families ask how you could be a blessing listen that's what people need people are wanting to know that you care yeah it's over the cross we know that from statistics and so when you're going to talk with people listen what we just say all the time is that this witness Share your story. Just share your story. Tell people what Jesus did for you. Everybody's got your, your the, the DNA of your testimony is only good for you. I can't share your testimony. You can't share my testimony. Ever how you were raised, ever what you went through. Maybe you went through a tragic past. Maybe you went through a brutal situation, but you're here now and God's got a hold of you. So listen to me. Your testimony is your personal fingerprint. It's come on, it's your personal voice reflection, what God has done for you. Share your story. And then just lastly, just, just invite people to church. It's just real that simple. Just invite people to church. Be a blessing. We got Easter coming up in a couple of weeks, you know, three or four, five, six weeks, everyone it is now, the 17th of, of April. Uh, invite people to church. And, you know, people are more prone to come to church on different Sundays like that. Uh, but, but invite them if you've got a small group. Come with me to small group. Or, or let, let's just go to coffee. Let's talk. Ask me some questions. Maybe you don't know all the answers. Maybe that's kind of freaky to you because I might say, you know, what happened about this? And Maybe you just need to go, let me Google. Google that. Come on, somebody. 
Let me Google that. Let me get back with you. But listen, just, just invite people to church. Let, let, them, let them know you're very interested in their spiritual well-being. Um, I, I was thinking about this this past week, a couple weeks ago. I went back through some old notes that I've had, and I've never, I don't think I've ever shared this about what, I've, what, I, uh, what I found uh, in the book of Acts about what I'm just kind of calling four kinds of people that need to know Jesus. Four kinds of people. It's in Acts 8, 9, and 10. So there's these, there's these three chapters that these different people reach different kinds of people. Because how many know in the world there's all kinds of people? I'm just summarizing them in a very you know generic, very wide, big paintbrush type of uh, uh, speaking here this morning. But the first kind of person that needs Jesus, you might kind of chuckle at, but the, what I'm just calling, they're the bad sinner. Come on, somebody. Just the bad sinner. They hurt people. They steal. They kill. They bribe. They control. They, they, they curse. They're foul-mouthed. They're hardened. They're rough. These are people still that need Jesus. There was a guy in the book of Acts, and his name was Simon the Sorcerer. And Simon's job was that he deceived people with magic tricks. And he would, he would you, know, you know, smoke and mirrors, we would say. And he would pull the wool over people's eyes. And he would tell people that he was someone great. And he had some demonic-inspired uh, direction in his life because some of the things that he said evidently came to pass because you can't trick people too long if you haven't got something worth tricking them for. And, and, and he, he just was operating uh, operating for his own benefit. He, he, was, he was ripping people off and stealing from them. Well, the Bible says when these apostles came to town, these disciples, he, he was listening to the message and seeing that when they prayed for people, that the power of the Holy Spirit came into their life and changed them. And he heard a supernatural language coming out of them. And, and, and he said, man, I, I want to serve that God. So he actually made Jesus the Lord of his life. And the Bible says that there was a learning curve with this brother because he actually offered the disciples later on. To, to, he said, I'll give you money if you give me the power that I can lay hands on people and the Holy Spirit will come in their life. So how many know he was kind of messed up a little bit? But, but, but what's amazing to the story for me is that whoever you think is the awfulest, the worst sinner, the person who's done the most grotesque thing, listen, God can save anybody. Anybody. Scripture tells us that. A second kind of person I see in the story in, in the book of Acts is this guy, what I just call the seeking sinner. The seeking sinner. Um, there, there's a story, and Philip is, a, is a, a, an evangelist, and he goes to a city and just starts preaching Jesus to him. There's all kinds of great things that go on. There's people that get saved. There's signs, wonders, and miracles. Then God says, hey, hey, uh, Philip, I want you to go out here to the desert. So he leaves and he goes to the desert, starts tracking out to the desert. And while he's going out in the desert, the story says this, that, that there's a guy in a chariot, and his, he's an Ethiopian eunuch, and he's working for Candace, who's the queen, and he just happens to be the treasurer. And he's in this probably this posh Bentley chariot. Come on, somebody, think with me. And, and, and he's, got, he's got guys carrying him, or he's got horses. He's got something going on. And, and, and the, the Holy Spirit tells, tells Philip, go up to that chariot. And, and he, as he comes up to the chariot, this dude, this Ethiopian eunuch, is reading from the Old Testament scrolls of Isaiah, and he's reading out loud, as they used to do in that day. And he's reading this, and he says, as, as Philip comes up to him, he says, uh, Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? 
And the guy says, how can I understand what I'm reading? And from that point, Philip starts talking to that brother about Jesus. And the guy gives his heart to Jesus. And, and throughout the course of the conversation, evidently Philip talked to him about water baptism because the guy goes, hey, there's some water over there. Will you baptize me? And the guy instantly got water baptized. So there are people that God positions around us that are just seeking, seeking God. They might be seeking something crazy. They might be out going to Arizona, to Sedona to worship a crystal. <laughs> but how many know that God might put somebody across your path to let you bring Jesus to them in a very real and a very practical way? Listen, they're, they're just seeking. They might have some wrong theology. And so sometimes I know people, I've known Christians, I've known people that say they love Jesus, would just say, those guys are weird. I'm going to leave them alone. Listen to me. We are all one way, you know, kind of one, one choice away from being weird. Let me, let, listen, God loves everybody. Let's reach all kinds of people. That's what God's called us to do. So this guy is seeking. This guy has, again, Philip didn't even know this guy. Just instantly, God spoke to him, draw yourself to that chair. So I would say that there are going to be people that God will probably use in your life to say, you need to have a relationship with them, to bring them to Jesus, to witness the love of God, what God has done for you towards them. Third kind of person I see in the book of Acts is this guy. He's called the religious sinner. The religious sinner. There was a guy named Saul of Tarsus. His, his name later got changed to Paul. He actually wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. But he was persecuting the church. He was dragging Christians out of their houses, sending them to prison, taking them away from their families, wanting them tortured and even put to death because they were followers of Jesus. He was a religious law keeper. He was somebody who was not, did not know Jesus, but he knew religion. And there are a lot of people that I think we deal with that we might think that they have a relationship with Jesus, but they don't. Listen, this guy thought, I, I, mean, I mean, he was just hardened. He, he was aggressive. He, he, was, he was persistent with trying to persecute people who made Jesus the Lord of their lives. And, and yet we find that he has a dramatic encounter with Jesus when he was on the road to Damascus. Listen, God loves all kinds of people. Here it is again. I mean, you know, uh, the, the, the religious person that everybody else is wrong, but we are right. And they probably, they might not even have a relationship with Jesus. They might not even know what they believe. They might, they might, there, there might be some people around you that they go to church every single Sunday and just go because that's the way they were raised but don't know anything about the reality of who God is, who Jesus is, and what he's done in his death, burial, and resurrection for you and I. They need to know Jesus. So don't be put off by the religious. Don't be put off by the one where you say certain things, and well, you know, and a lot of times they'll bring you back all the way back to the Old Testament and never have any revelation or understanding about the grace or the mercy or the forgiveness of God. Yet, yet Jesus reaches this guy 
on the road to Damascus and he gets saved. It's just incredible. I think that, you know, so many of us would just say, you know, forget it, dude. You're on your own. You're away from God. You just, you just go ahead and stay lost. If you want to, if that's the, the life and the lifestyle that you want to pursue, you're on your own. But that's not the heart of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to be a great church, if we're going to be a great people, that can't be our heart. We got to be able to reach all kinds of people, even the religious sinner. Lastly, about this, let's talk about this guy that we got to reach. It's just called the moral sinner. The moral sinner. There's a story in Acts chapter 10 about a guy named Cornelius. And the Bible says this. He was a devout man. Check it out. He feared God. He gave money generously to help people. He helped the poor. He actually prayed, but he didn't know God personally. Moral. Got a good family. Pays his bills on time. Doesn't steal. Doesn't kill. Not out to hurt anybody. But he just doesn't know God. He's kind to old ladies. Come on, somebody. He buys presents for people at work. But he doesn't know God. Scripture says with this guy, he has a vision and he sees this guy named, named Peter coming to his house and helping him. And then Peter has a vision at a diff different location. And, and, and God supernaturally tells him what to do. Again, I, you, you see this miracle power of God bringing somebody who has a message to share to somebody who needs to hear the message. So one more time, I'm asking all of us to look at who's God, who has God brought close into our level of proximity. Who's around us? Or what's God stern in you that says, you know, you should call that person. You should text that person. You should reach out to that person. That's the Spirit of God trying to get you to be a witness to somebody who needs to hear about Jesus Christ. So he was moral. He was a good guy. Listen, he wasn't, he, he wasn't uh, the Simon the sorcerer. He wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't even a religious guy to say everybody's wrong. He was just a guy that was humble to say, uh, uh, man, uh, I, I, I want to pray. I'm, I'm, I'm devout. I fear God. But he didn't know Jesus at all. And so the Bible says that when Peter was there, Peter shared the gospel with him, and he got saved, and all of his kids and his entire family and all his staff, his servants, everybody got saved. So, so I would say this just as a way of reminder today, this. Just because somebody is morally good doesn't mean they are eternally saved. You don't go to heaven because you're a good guy or a good girl. You go to heaven because you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. That is it. There is no righteousness. There is no work. There is no nothing that you can do or I could do that could ever allow me to enter into heaven, but only by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, what he has done for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, now, now listen, no one is going to be reached for Jesus unless we take the responsibility, unless we take uh, uh, the place that God's given us to do something again with our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. It's crazy right now how we can be spending time and reaching people through, you know, technology, whether it's FaceTime or Android or Instagram or YouTube or Zoom or whatever it is, text, people all around the world. Where 
where we can have a voice with friends, family, people that we've maybe lost contact with to share the very love of God. Not to mention the people that we see on a regular basis right here. So I am encouraging all of us, if we're going to have a great church, <laughs> we're going to need to follow the great commandment, loving God and loving others, as our, loving our neighbor as ourselves. But we need to take the mantle to say, we're going to fulfill the great commission and we are going to be committed to evangelism. I'm going to share my faith with people who are far away from God. And God doesn't need much. God sends Jonah to Nineveh, this wicked city, 140,000 people that are cray-cray, not serving God, doing crazy stuff. And he sends them there and he speaks eight words and the entire city turns to God. Eight words. Eight words. God doesn't need much. He just needs our obedience. He needs our willingness. Come on, everybody. That'd be a good place to clap right there. Come on, we could do that. Yeah. The first work that God's really called all of us to do is the work of, of bringing people to church, bringing, leading people to Jesus. That, that's the first work we're all called to do. You know, what, what should I do, Lord? Well, you should talk to your friends. You should talk to your family who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior and just bring them to church. Invite them to church. Include them with what you're doing. Uh, if God has changed you, let him use you to help change somebody else. Um, we say this all the time that, you know, why we exist as a church. Every church has got a mission statement. Every church has got a vision. And we say this is that Spectrum Church exists so that people far away from God will know God and will grow in God. This is why we exist. People that are far away from God. We want people to know God. One translation says, know God better. And we want people to grow in God. Because we're not just content for any of us just to know God. We, we do want you to know God on your way to heaven, making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. But we want you to continue to grow in God. Where you're, you're what we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks, where you actually become a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciplined one. Where our, we're growing in the discipline of our Christian faith and our Christian walk. That it never ends. I, I, I've been, I'm 62 now. Now, and I've been I've been serving God full time, you know, for, for 42 years now. And, and the more I read, the more I pray, the more hanging around you guys and people that know God, the, the more I want to know, the more I want to pursue him, the more uh, uh, the more more change I want to have in my own life and be able to be used by God more and more effectively. We want to keep growing as a disciplined one. So, so we exist so that people far away from God will just know God, but then that they will also also grow. Knowing God. And just again, summarizing what we've said this morning, listen, the great commandment, the great commandment to love God and love people moves us. We, just, we don't stop there, but it moves us to fulfill the great commission, which begins with evangelism. You know, the Bible's real clear. God didn't say that angels are to preach the gospel to anybody. We know that there are signs and wonders and miracles. Even what I just told you in some of those stories, just miraculous things happened where God opened up. I mean, like, here's Saul, this religious sinner, and he's going to persecute the church people, take them to prison, and a light shines from heaven, and he gets just dramatically saved and has an encounter with Jesus. That, that's, that's not the standard. The standard is somebody like you and me who've been impacted with how good God's been, we share that with other people. And we talk about his forgiveness 
and his mercy and talk to them that this life isn't the only life to live. Where will you go if there is an eternity? Where will you go after you breathe your last breath? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And most of the time, most of the response is, well, I, 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 don't, know if I'm, I, I don't know if I'm good enough. You're never going to be good enough. Jesus Christ took and did the heavy lifting for you. He became man. He took your sin. He took your place. That is called grace. Come on, everybody, right there. Yeah. So everybody needs to know your story. Everybody needs to know what you believe. And I love this scripture here in the book of Peter. It kind of summarizes this this morning, and I'm almost done. I'm going to give you a couple things to chew on as we leave. In the Message Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 2, check it out what it says. That we as God's instruments, we're to do his work. What's his work? What's his work? We're to speak for him. That's the work we do. One of the main works you do is to speak for him. And we're to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. I can't tell anybody what he's done for you. And you can't tell anybody what he's done for me. But we're to tell other people of the night and day difference that he made from you. From, from nothing to something. From being rejected to being accepted. Listen, when Jesus made you, when, when, when God placed all sin on Christ, he now made you right with him. You have the ability to stand in the presence of God without the sense of sin, shame, inferiority, or guilt. Come on. Come on, everybody. That's good news. That's based solely on what Jesus did for you. You need to tell people your story. And the deeper our relationship with God, the deeper our passion should be to reach people who are far away from God. Woe to all of us if we say to hell with the world. Or what's the use? Look at what's going on. And look what's happening with this person or that person or this group of people. Or, or the government's doing this or that. What? Listen, we're people who have been sent here in this time and in this hour to reach all kinds of people. Can you say amen and amen? And so, to be a great church, we have to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission. If we're going to be a great church, and I believe we're a great church, and I was said before, great doesn't mean we're, we're millions of people. Great doesn't mean that, uh, that, that we've got 17 campuses, although that'd be cool. Great means that we're fulfilling the great commandment and the great commission. Amen, everybody? I, I, I just want to leave you with this thought. I, I think I said this several years ago, four or five years ago, it, it is... I thought about this, man, many, many years ago, that when Jesus was feeding the five loaves, uh, the feeding the 5,000 men and women and children and all that, we, we see it a couple different times, and later he fed 4,000. He broke the loaves and the fish. Listen, he did it indiscriminately. Everybody got filled. When, when, when Paul and Silas wound up being, being in, in, in prison, and they... They were praying and singing hymns to God. The Bible says there was a great earthquake. And their jail cell opened, and all of their shackles on their feet got loosed. But not only them, everybody in the entire prison. Listen, indiscriminately. 
In Acts chapter 27, the apostle Paul was on a ship and the ship was breaking up. And Paul cries out to God to save everybody on the ship. There was 276 men. Listen to me. They were prisoners because they were probably bad dudes. But Paul cries out to God. And the Bible says all 276 on the ship got saved. They were all saved indiscriminately of who they were or what they did. Man. There were messed up people on that hillside that Jesus fed. There were messed up people in jail who got their door open and their shackles off who were with Paul and Silas. There were messed up people on the ship in Acts chapter 27. But they all got delivered. They all could see the power of God and experience a changed life. When the fishermen were fishing in Bible times, they didn't fish with poles. They didn't catch a certain kind of fish. The Bible says they would take a net and they would throw the net. And whatever kind of fish got in the net was what they took. We need to be a people that throw the net over every ethnicity, over every people group, over every challenge, over people and situations you think they're hopeless, they're in gangs, they're in jail, they're in drugs, they don't want God. Listen to me, when anybody comes to a point of need, their hearts will be directed and turned toward God. We throw the net, we throw the net. My prayer is that you would begin praying for your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, the places you frequent, and begin praying by name, the people that are around you, and asking God, God, would you give me an opportunity to throw the net and see people's lives changed for eternity? God wants his house full. Jesus tells a story about throwing a party. A man threw a party, and all of a sudden, everybody began making excuses why they couldn't come. And the owner was outraged that he was throwing a party and people said they couldn't come. So Jesus tells the story and said, the man said, go on the highways and byways, go everywhere and just compel people to come to my house. I've thrown a, thrown a great banquet. I want my house full. This is the heart of God. God wants people, all kinds of people, indiscriminately, the moral sinner, the seeking sinner, the just awful bad sinner. He wants all kinds of people to hear about how good he is. If we'll do that, listen to me, we will ensure that we are a great people and that we are a great church. Come on, would you take that challenge this week, everybody? Come on, let's pray. Right there where you're at, would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? Father God, we just pray today that we would take that, that, that baton, we'd take that mantle to be used by you this week, Father, and even in the weeks ahead to be people who would pray for the ones around us and to reach them for Jesus. 
Help us speak a word to the people that are weary. Help us bring hope and encouragement and comfort to those that don't know you, Lord God, and to lead them to you, Jesus. So, Father, the people that are in our heart right now, make a way as you're talking to them. As we pray, you're talking to them. Help our paths intersect. Let us be aware, Lord God, this week of the people you're bringing into our lives to make an eternal difference. So we pray. Come on, right there with your head bowed, your eye closed. Come on. Give everyone the right to privacy in the room. Maybe you're in the room or maybe you're watching online today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want to give you an opportunity right here in this service to just say yes to Jesus. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the, for, come to the, the front of the church. Just by simple raising your hand, you'll be saying, you know, Pastor Gary, just include me in this prayer. I, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I, I want to experience this morning life change. So all over the room, I'm going to count to